888-835-2414. This is Blogging with Leslie. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Blogging with Leslie, the podcast where you learn, I learn, we all learn about how to build an online business with a blog. No, I'm not talking about one of those blogs that will fall by the wayside when Google has a mood swing. I'm talking about one that will thrive no matter what gets thrown at it. I'm your host, Leslie Samuel from becomeablogger.com, where we're changing the world one blog at a time. And as usual, I have another exciting interview for you today. In today's interview, episode 374, I'm on the line with none other than Yaro Starak and Claire Giovini, the co-founders of Inbox Done. Uh, Yaro began his blogging in 2005, initially just as a marketing experiment. And since then, Yaro has used his blog to sell over $2 million of his own ebooks, online courses, membership sites, and travels the world living the laptop lifestyle. Claire brought Yaro on as a client in 2017 to manage and perfect his inbox. And since then, they co-founded Inbox Done to help other busy experts break free from managing their own email. And you know what? Managing email can be overwhelming, especially if you're running an online business. So I brought them on here to talk about how we can free ourselves from the stress of email. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. Yaro and Claire, how we doing? Welcome, welcome. Glad to have you all. Wow, Leslie, wow. <laughs> I can't match your energy. That's awesome. <laughs> Claire, how are you doing? This is our first time meeting. How is it going? It's going good. I'm excited to be here. Well, I'm excited that you are both here. So what we're going to do, we're going to start. I want to actually, I think this is my first time interviewing two people at the same time, at least on Skype. So uh, this is this is going to be fun. I'm, I'm, I'm excited about this. I want to talk to Yarrow first a little bit. Just talk a little bit about our history, because a lot of people may not know this. But you're the guy that got me into blogging. This was back in like 2008 eight with with your blog mastermind program right so you 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 started blogging and then you started teaching blogging and i learned from you was i was i an okay student (laughs) that's the first question because everybody wants to know how did leslie do as a student (laughs) well leslie you're a fantastic teacher so you have to be a fantastic (laughs) student right because it's it's one and the same so Uh, I I definitely remember you standing out big time with uh, your obvious enthusiasm, but also you were an action taker. Man, you had a lot of stuff going back then too. You 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 know you were doing the freebie guide, and there was uh, learning yes. with Leslie, the science teacher guide. There's so much stuff you were doing that led to what you do today, right? Yeah, and and so what got you uh, into teaching blogging? Well, uh, I mean, I guess a bit like yourself, it was, first of all, starting a blog and uh, seeing what it meant to be a blogger, write a blog, share content, and then actually make some money from it, uh, sort of see it as a, a business, not just a place to write. Um, and then, of course, selling your own products means you suddenly see yourself as a, a teacher and educator, which was new for me. And uh, for me, the obvious thing to teach was what I had had some success in, which was blogging. So, you know, it's a bit of a, a circular cycle there, but I grew a blog, made some money from advertising, from affiliate marketing, I had this audience, and it was also fresh in my mind that I decided I had to get out there with a course on on how to make money blogging and, and just take the last two to two and a half years of knowledge and experience and what worked for me and give it to this uh, audience. And you being one of them, Leslie, you were one of the first students uh, to take that course. 
And uh, it was amazing. 400 people took it. And, and there's some real superstars today that a lot of listeners probably will know about who, who went through it back then. Yeah, it's, it's a number of people that I know that um, went through your stuff and they, they kind of just took off and started blogging from back in those days. And now a, a number of them are still blogging today. Well, our, our mutual friend, Mitch Wilson, who you know well from, uh, yes. from uh, the world of sports, he's, he was one of the first students. Uh, Natalie McNeil, she's very big in teaching women uh, entrepreneurship and meditation and yoga and things like that. So, yeah, there's a lot and, and a lot of smaller niche people, speed reading, treating acne, skiing in Bulgaria, all kinds of weird niches people start blogs on. Okay, so I got to ask you this question um, because, you know, you're one of the I look at you as one of like the original people teaching blogging. I got to ask you this question, uh, and this is a question that a lot of people ask me. All right, this is the question. And I don't know why I'm introducing the question so much, but the question is, <laughs> is blogging dead? Like it's 2000, it's going into 2020. Is blogging still something that people should be looking into? What's your take on that question? You, you get that question too. I, I, I think that's got to be the most common question. <laughs> yes. Uh, only after social media evolved. Before that, it was it was the cool thing, and then suddenly, oh, you should be doing YouTube instead, or yep, you should be doing yep. Facebook instead, or Instagram instead, or or now it might be you should be doing TikTok instead, or whatever <laughs> it is. Um, I mean, the answer I've always given when rains the same. If writing is dead, then blogging is dead, and mm. I think it's safe to say that writing is not dead. People still educate and consume and take entertainment through the written word. And let's face it, when you search Google, uh, half the results are still words, probably more than half is, is, is written content. And a lot of those are blogs. So as long as you have some value to deliver through the written word, uh, then you can do well with the blog. And I've, I've actually seen it. I, I've So many people I've interviewed on my podcast and people I've coached, you see them like start a brand new business from scratch using the exact same business model of, of blogging content. And, you know, it takes a while, six months, a year, year and a half, and they're starting to rank well for something that's just, you know, brand new to them starting it recently. So the model still works. Um, it's not dead. It's certainly more competitive. You, you know, you can't uh, expect to go after how to make money picking stocks. You know, you got to be more granular might be how to make money you know in the cannabis stock area more niche yeah but uh you know the the overall model hasn't stopped working in fact if anything it could be even better now because of the sheer volume of uh, internet users that are you know out there it's almost the entire planet now so you know this leads me to another question i know we're going to talk about email we're going to get to all of that but i gotta know since i'm talking to the yarrow starak uh, you know Blog. When I see social media, I see social media as something that has evolved significantly over the last few years. In the beginning, it was you know you're posting status updates and so on, and then now now you're doing video and stories and and, and, and all kinds of live video, all kinds of engaging things. So social media has evolved over time. When people think about blogging. Uh, typically speaking, they think about a site where someone is writing content. Now, do you see blog as specifically writing or is it more having a platform online that you own? Maybe it's a WordPress-based site and you're creating content. Is it specifically written content or is there, you know, is there like if I'm creating video and posting that on a WordPress site, am I a blogger? <laughs> semantics uh, Leslie um, yeah I know <laughs> you know <clears throat> excuse me the I mean the answer to that is if you have content that's valuable and you're using the right keywords it can rank well but I you know we know Google's algorithm they're not as good at ranking video content yet 
as they are written content. So you do need some form of yeah. written content to to get that free search engine traffic. That being said, YouTube is a search engine, so I guess you could say you could bypass the blog part of that question and and you know get the traffic from there. But it is funny you mentioned this sort of connection between starting as a blogger and then social media becoming the main thing. I remember when I first went online, the form of social media I had was sending group emails yes. where I'd write these travel emails to my friends. And then a few years later, I'm writing blog posts to update people on whatever, you know, business ideas and then travel. And a few years later after that, I'm doing Facebook and Twitter. And then, you know, you're doing Instagram stories and the evolution of the platform constantly changes. But the other previous ones don't really go away. You know, I'm still using email. I'm still using my blog. I'm still doing these different social yep. things. What happens is you have to just get way more specific and strategic about how you run a business with those tools. And that's, I think, is what really evolved for me. You know, my blog became not the place where I put pictures of my breakfast. Instead, that's where, you know, Instagram is used for. The blog is for detailed how-to uh, posts that were strategically designed to educate people and get them interested in the products that I sell. Yep. And then, you know, Facebook might be more for group interaction. I know you're a big fan of that, Leslie, and, and you know, keeping a community going, but it's not where you're delivering your long form content. And then some people who prefer the video uh, medium will obviously do what they do on, on YouTube uh, or, you know, maybe could be stories or, or video on, on Instagram. And and each one is a tool with a different strategy behind it. And, and you know, even today, email is a huge part of the strategy too. With a lot of, in fact, most of my sales for my coaching business came from sending out emails. And sure, I built the email list using blogging and social and all that, but the actual conversion tool is email. So it's all very integrated, yep. and very strategic. So there, there there there's such a tight uh, link to email. In blogging, if you're creating content online, you know, for me, just like you said, like most of my sales come via email. Without email, I would not be making the amount of money that I'm making today. Um, now, you decided at some point that, hey, this email thing, uh, you know, it's getting overwhelming. At least that's what it seems. Uh, what was that point? How did you how did you reach to the point where you where you th thought to yourself, I need help with this whole email thing? Mm. Well, there, there, there was the first point was actually before I was even a blogger. I was running uh, another company where we provided essay editing and thesis editing students uh, services to international students. And I had this company that connected editors with students and everything was delivered through email. So that was the first time where my entire business was pretty much me sitting in a computer forwarding emails between customers and the contractors who delivered that service. So that business was the first time where I was like, if I want to remove myself from it and, and have you know far less stress from having to run the email, is putting someone in place to manage that. And that's what I did. I hired a, a stay-at-home mom who took over that role. Uh, and then you know, fast forward a few years later when blogging and coaching was my main business, you know what it's like, Leslie. Once you start putting yourself out there, whether it's writing the blog post or even just writing an email newsletter, in my case, it was both, people start emailing you, you know, they write back a question, they ask, you know, how do you do something? And, and like, I think yourself, I'm sure you experienced this at first, you just have enough time that you can answer every single email. Personally, you want to provide a nice detailed answer to help someone move forward with their business. And that's what I did. But then, you know, you become a victim of your success. So once my audience got large enough, 
and I'm starting to sell my own products and I'm making some money, there's just too much coming at me in terms of email volume, questions, customer service, uh, not to mention software updates and newsletters and you know all those sorts of things that I had to, again, have someone come in. And, and thankfully, at that point, I was very familiar with this idea that you could have someone help with your email. So from that point on, I had someone doing email in my coaching business, my blogging business as well. And eventually, I actually had three people when I was really, really busy with, you know, selling a lot of products, doing launches, writing a lot of blog posts. There was just so much coming at me. And I wanted 24-hour support for that inbox. And that's actually where Claire comes into the picture because that's where I, uh, she ended up becoming part of my team as, as one of my email managers. And that was uh, about five years ago. Okay, so I'm, I'm curious about something because the, the editing business, you know, you have a bunch of editors, they're doing a whole bunch of stuff. There's not, it's not like there's one person that is the face of the business, the face of the brand as much. Um, but uh, with your blogging stuff, it's you. It's personality-driven. Um, mm. with what I do, become a blogger. It's all personality driven. Uh, and I know there's uh, people that are listening to this and say, say, saying to themselves, yeah, my business, it's, it's me, right? I'm the one that's creating content and so on. Did you have any hesitation in that process of switching to a, a, having someone else managing your email for you? Or was it just like, hey, this just makes perfect sense? You know, the first hesitation I had was actually with the editing business. That was more... In fact, even more of a, a question mark because I was handing really? over the way I made money. You know, the, ah. the, I, I was, you know, I was processing jobs. And if I didn't do that job well of forwarding emails in time, making sure payments came in, there's no revenue. There's no, there's no income for me. So once I proved that that worked, uh, when I started doing it with the personal brand, and you're quite right, it's a different situation because you do have people saying, you know, hey, Yarrow, can you take a look at my blog and tell me what I should do to make it better kind of questions, which I'm sure you've had as well, Leslie. Absolutely. Um, you know, that kind of question. Yeah, I did it initially myself, but then as time went by, my blog became a database of answers to these questions. So often my email person, and this is kind of the reason why I wanted to bring someone on, is we could build a knowledge base. And mm. the person who ran my email can act like a receptionist, like a front line to my inbox and direct people to a resource before it needs to get to me. And, you know, a blog post I wrote answering a question will probably be a better answer anyway. It'll be more in depth, it'll be longer, and then I can direct them there. And that sort of begins uh, answering and helping them. And then of course, if they come back again, my email person could continue to that point. And then, you know, there's a few times over the years where, yeah, I stepped in because they just wanted to hear from Yarrow before they bought the product. Um, but most of the time, the my team, I called them my client care team, uh, Claire being one of them, could do like 90% of that. They could do the relationship building. It was still my content. So it's not like I was out of the picture. Uh, and, it, and, you know, it's funny, um, before you experience it, you don't really believe it's possible because there's only one Leslie and you know, there's only one person who can be Leslie, but you can definitely build a system around Leslie's ideas and Leslie's content that can do a whole lot better because there's way more resources than just one Leslie doing all the work or one Yarrow, so to speak. So if anything, it's good because it magnifies your ability to help more people because you've got more people representing your information, your ideas and answering questions and doing it in just a better systematic way. I think that there's a significant mindset shift in that because, yeah, I, I can manually respond to every email, but the reality is 
if I respond to your email every time, like from scratch, I am not giving you as much value as I can. And I'm not serving you as well as I can. And I love what you say about, you said about, you know, you're basically building this knowledge base where, quite frankly, you're better able to serve people. And I really like that concept. So I, I want to I talk then to Claire because, okay, at this point, you decided to bring on people to help you uh, manage your email. Was Claire the first, by the way? No, not the first. Uh, I Obviously, I had someone way, way back 12 years ago with my, my editing company. Gotcha. Um, and then with the blogging business, I started in sort of 06, 07, I think, building out a, my first team. Uh, and then you were around then, Leslie. You probably emailed one of my uh, other people back then. And then Claire was, I guess, the second phase when I was really ramping up and I wanted to do 24-hour email support. And uh, uh, Claire came on board. And, and she was actually you know, someone from my audience as well. She, she knew my work. So there was already that sense of familiarity there, which is what you want in you know, uh, an ideal person to, to help with your business. Okay, so Claire, you come into the business now, and uh, it, 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 I guess you're part of the, it, like scaling this whole thing up. How was that for you in the beginning? It's definitely overwhelming in the beginning because <laughs> you're getting um, overloaded in, in initially with all the emails coming in. Yara's, Yara was getting hundreds and hundreds of emails every day. So not knowing where each email fit into his overall system. Um, so that's where I started by just studying all his sales pages, all of his products. I actually went through some of his products, um, quite a few of them actually myself. So I would know all the ins and outs of them. Um, that is really the key of, is having that aerial view of the whole business. So, you know, where that one specific email fits into the process. So I would go through his funnels. A lot of people, you know, if you're doing an automatic email, uh, marketing campaign, um, as you know, will respond to just one email with a question. Um, and so I had to go through those funnels myself. So I knew, uh, which email, uh, we were at, which step we were at. And then it, it gradually all comes together. I would say after 30 days, I was feeling pretty comfortable. And then after 60 days, I was feeling great. So uh, I'm curious then, in this process, what is Yarrow's involvement or uh, someone else in his team's involvement in helping you to get through this process? Is it you specifically digging through all of these things on your own and coming up with a system? Or is it there is a system and you're trying to plug into this system? Great question. So I deferred to um, someone, an email manager who had been there a little bit longer than me, um, but it was very much a, we hired you for this position because of your potential to be autonomous um, and not require a lot of handholding. And so there was support um, from the email manager who had been there longer, but there was also a lot of um, freedom to optimize and perfect the systems that were already in place. So I did a ton of system building coming in and added into the knowledge base that was already there. Um, and then Yara was kind of the, um, the last person, the last uh, point of contact to go to when it became something that only um, Yara could answer. So had that other email manager not been there before me, um, I probably would have been interacting with Yara more. Um, but the, he uses Gmail specifically in the search bar of Gmail. You can look up so much. All of the history from everything is there. 
So really just taking the initiative with that and searching and then again, searching on Google whenever I, you know, wasn't quite sure how to answer. I can just Google Yara's blogs and usually the answer I need come up, comes up. Um, so just a lot of uh, reductive searching in that way. Um, yeah. Okay. So I, I think that's, there's something significant in that because uh, when I think when a lot of people think about hiring someone to manage their email or, or to, to, to manage a number of these things where like the, the, the way they interface with people, whether it's on social media or via email, they think, oh man, there's going to be a lot of work involved in training that person. But what I'm getting here is that uh, there's something significant in when you can hire someone that is going to go th- like make take the effort of going through all of your content on their own and coming up with systems that make sense to work within your company so that it it's not as dependent on you to create the process it, it, it does is that something that makes sense in the context of how you guys operated that's exactly it yeah and so that, of course, depends on who you hire, yeah. someone who has that willingness to be um, independent and take the initiative. Yep. That, that, that's significant to me right now because I'm going through a similar process for social media. I'm bringing someone on to manage my social media engagement and all that stuff. And we had our first meeting today and it was all about that, about, hey, these are the things that I want you to go through. Here's my courses. Here's my stuff. Go and check it out so that you can become familiar with how I do things. Uh, and I can see the same thing applying here to email. Uh, what I want to talk about then is, Let's say, hypothetical situation, which may or may not be true, but let's say that I am a person that is overwhelmed by email because my business is doing well to the point where email is taking away from my time. And let's say I wanted to bring someone on to help with that process. I want to walk through what that process could look like if I were that hypothetical person in that hypothetical situation. <laughs> so so what what are the steps involved in offloading email so that it gets managed in a way that complements what I'm doing, enhances what I'm doing, and helps me to take things to, to the next level? Where do we start? Mm-hmm. Well, we start by choosing what platform you want to communicate on during the handover process. So we don't want to add in all these new platforms when we're trying to minimize your communication uh, workload. So some clients, you know, we even want to communicate still through email and we'll just give them a daily recap of what's going on. Um, But if you want to communicate through text or uh, WhatsApp or whatever you'd like, that's the first thing to decide. So okay, and, and that's steps. and that's just really quick. That's in terms of you're communicating with the person that you're bringing on to uh, manage the email. That's what you're referring to there, right? Exactly. Okay. Yep. And there will, you know, of course, we're going to have questions in the beginning. Yes. But goal is to communicate let, with you as little as possible, right? Let's let's just hypothetically say Leslie's the client <laughs> here. I, I think that might work for the example. Okay. Yeah. We'll, we'll hypothetically say that I'm the client here. So let's let's use that as a premise. Okay, sounds good. So yeah, we would decide what communication platform you want to communicate on for that initial handover period with the goal being, you know, get all of our questions to you up front, you know, with us doing the back end behind the scenes stuff of our own research, our own digging, our own searching, 
Um, and with those questions tapering off, the more that we learn. So, um, you know, figuring out what uh, a way, how we want to contact you for uh, urgent things going forward so that you're always in the loop. Um, and then once that's established, uh, we have three be- before, steps. Before we move on from there, I, I, I have a question on that. Is it that does it make sense at that point to keep it with it? Let's say Gmail is what I use, uh, well, Google, Google Suites. Um, is it does it make sense to keep it within that or is it a smart idea to do that outside of Gmail or Google Suites so that I am not actually going in? What makes more sense for most people? Great question. It depends. Some people want just to never log into the inbox ever again. And that's the ultimate goal that we're working towards. Some people will say, you know, I know myself, I will never not log into the inbox. I just don't want to do anything. I just want to know that everything's being actioned and taken care of and that I just have my one folder that I need to go to. And it just has the most important items, you know, the very few items in there that need my attention. So it's up to you if you want to start training yourself, because as I'm sure you know, it can be very addicting to check email. So if you think it would be um, easier, again, we're looking for convenience here and, you know, easing your communication workload. So if that would be easier via text and you want daily text updates instead with any training questions that we have, fine. Um, Again, some people, they know it's going to be take a little time for them to wean off of the inbox. And so they're fine getting started with the within the inbox and we just create a designated folder for you. So then you don't have to worry about anything else except what's in your folder. Okay, I'm I'm really starting to feel as if you're you're talking about me because like I have my Skype window open here and then over here to the left I have my email open just staring at me. Um so I'm getting the impression that you're really taking this hypothetical situation all the way to the end. Okay. So now we have the communication and let's say for me uh, maybe I use Slack in my team and maybe it makes sense then for you to communicate with me via, via Slack and I'm out of the inbox. Uh, then you said there are there's a, what, is it a three-step process after that? Yep, yep, and Slack would be totally fine as well. So the three steps, the first one is the cleanup and the organization. So you can't grow and move forward if you're coming from a messy, chaotic place. And so we start with the initial cleanup. Um, usually people have a backlog of emails in their inbox. It's very rare that we <laughs> bring people on who um, apply inbox zero and are already on top of that. And they just want us to come in and start taking over what they've already, the systems they've already impl- implemented. So usually there's a backlog in there. And so we have two choices. We can either go through the backlog Um, one by one and learn about your inbox that way and learn about your business that way. And as we go, we can create filters and rules for where those emails should go in the future. Um, Or, and this is my usual recommendation, if the the person's open to it, if you're using Gmail or um, G Suite, you can archive those. And again, that search bar is always there. So if you ever need anything, it does not disappear. It's not deleted. It's just out of your inbox. So that gives us that fresh slate to work from. And so that's totally client preference, whatever you want. Then we look and we assess your folders. Um, So it feels really good to make a new folder. It feels like you're being productive and organized. Uh, But a lot of people have a lot of dead folders that they never actually use. Um, And they can become more complicated instead of more organized. Um, And so we do an audit 
of your folders and deciding which ones are really important for your business and which ones aren't really necessary. Consolidate where necessary. Um, and usually what it comes down to, um, it could just be one folder with your name on it and that's what you know um, is the one folder that you need to check, if at all. There's also ways to keep you out of the inbox completely. Um, or another really popular method is to have one app, uh, one to-do folder and one read folder. Um, so you have the one folder is where you know things actually need your action, and the other folder is just an FYI, just things to keep you in the loop. And this is all, you know, we have this toolbox of methods and systems that we can use. So as we go through, we keep offering uh, different ways to do things. Some people, again, they don't want to log into their inbox ever. Um, so it could be that we're sending you a daily recap um, and you let us know how you want to action those things. But so all of those things get decided in the, the cleanup organization phase. As we're going, we're also creating filters for what's coming in. Um, and then one of my first things I do with everyone is to, um, you can do this manually or you can use a third party. I really like unroll.me, unroll me. You connect it to, it connects to Outlook or Gmail and it lists every subscription you've ever signed up for. And usually the list is very long for most people. And so all in one swoop, you can go in and unsubscribe to everything just in one, one swoop and then just keep the remaining ones that you really do wanna see. Um, and so the goal is always to minimize upfront. And so that, you know, it helps you as you go down the road. So I have a question about filters. When, you, when you're trying to be efficient uh, with your filters, how are you actually using them? Uh, and I want to talk about filters and then also folders. Because once again, I feel like you're, you're looking inside my inbox and picking on me. Um, <laughs> so, so let's talk about filters. How, how does someone use filters effectively? So it really, that's where looking at what's in your inbox right now, it would become very apparent. So you're looking for patterns. So what's something that's coming in every day um, that, you know, either needs your action or doesn't need your action. So one really popular folder is travel. So you can set up any kind of travel notices to go into that folder and completely skip your inbox, but you know exactly where to go to get those things when you need them. And really the efficiency comes from not diluting your attention and your focus. That's mm -hmm. the main thing. Because every time you see something and it pops up, it's a distraction. It prevents you from doing that deep work that's needed to grow your business and really tap into that deep creativity. So that's the main thing is that where the email ends up going. Of course, you don't want to lose anything. Of course, you know we don't want you to be out of the loop with anything. We'd never let anything fall through the cracks. So the filters are very intentional. Um, but they're really just to have you only seeing the most important things that you need to see in that day. And then everything else is filtered into the correct bucket. So I'm looking in my inbox right now since we're picking on me. Um, <laughs> and I am seeing, for example, uh, I do webinars for Social Media Examiner. And every time there's a new webinar, there are a bunch of emails that go out, you know, I, so that I can know that I'm subscribed to this webinar, I can attend this webinar, but I don't need to actually see that. Right now, that's taking up three in a row, and sometimes way more than three in a row. That's taking up real estate right in the inbox for me to go through and have to clean, clean out on a daily basis. If I had a yeah. filter, it would 
filter it into my you know uh, social media society um, uh, uh, folder, and then when I need to get access to that information, I can cl- quickly and easily click on that folder and see what I need to see. Exactly. It can be that, or it can simply be a filter that just archives the email, and then whenever you need it, you just type just it into search. the search bar, and it comes right up. Either way. Got it. Got it. Got it. Um, I like that. Okay, good. So uh, folders that goes directly along with that, or uh, how, how do I, how do I efficiently manage my folders? Uh, less is more for sure. A lot of people have a lot. And then they, in addition to their long list of folders on the left, they also have subfolders for each of those. So of course it depends, you know, if you have a group of clients and then you want to specify under that main folder each name of the client, then of course it makes sense for them each to have their own designated folder. Mm -hmm. Um, But usually less is more. And I did want to make a point too about the filtering. You know, there's a lot, Gmail is a fantastic platform and you want to tap into all that it can do. And so those filters can be very wonderful for efficiency. Um, But then so that nothing falls through the cracks, um, your, if you did have an email manager, they become your more emotionally intelligent filter. Yeah. Um, so they're like the next level of filter where, uh, again, they're sparing you having to wade through and do everything and they can catch everything so that you just get the most important. But yeah, with folders, it really just comes down to less is more. My favorite, um, my, of course, it's completely dependent on how your business is structured, but I really like one um, action or to-do folder and one read or FYI folder. That's my favorite. Got it. Awesome. Okay. So this is the cleanup and organization. This is step number one. Yep. All right. Let's move on to step number two, unless we have other things to mention in one. No, we can go on. So step number two is once now we have organized folders, we have filters set up and we're down to inbox zero. So that's a really good place to be. So now we're starting to identify patterns in what is coming in. And so if people are writing in with questions, um, I'm, as I'm sure you know, you can put your FAQs on your site. It doesn't yep. mean anyone's going to read them. They'll <laughs> still write in asking, you know, exactly the answer that you have on your site or like Yaro said in his blog post, a really in-depth answer. So again, it depends on the structure of your business, but you're going to start looking for patterns in the way that we're answering emails. Um, and so the answer is a little bit different if you're looking to do this yourself versus training someone to do it. Mm-hmm. But essentially, we're working to create a library of responses. Um, and I am wary of the using the word template or canned responses because people think that, you know, they think that means we're just going to send out this blanket uh, yeah. email and it's not going to be personalized. That's never the case. It's just what you said earlier about having to write every email from scratch and how laborious that can be and time consuming. This is just uh, allowing you to never have to write emails from scratch again. So of course, you're going to personalize it. Um, You know, I always like mirroring something that the person said in their email. So they really know that they're being seen and heard. But that's what a big part of what goes on in step two is starting to build up those that library of responses, because it saves you so much time in the future. And then the other part of step two is scheduling. This is something um, that a lot of people, it's such a huge part of their inbox because they are living within their Google calendar. 
Um, and so, as I'm sure you know, there's a lot of back and forth involved in scheduling. That's one of the easiest things that our email managers can take over right away because all they have to learn is the parameters of your calendar and when to schedule and when not to schedule. Um, but that's something that we would learn in step two as well. So and I've, something, yeah. yeah, I've always, I'm always curious about that because, um, there was a point where I was managing, where I had my assistant doing my email for me and scheduling things for me. But then I realized that there are services out there that, you know, I could put my schedule in there and people, and I can set, um, for example, my coaching clients can choose from these times, interviews can choose from these times. And I've always wondered, because I know a number of my friends don't do the automated way. They have someone that's personally managing their schedule for them. What exactly is the benefit of having someone doing it as opposed to using one of these tools that have come such a long way to, mm-hmm. to um, set up the appointment, uh, set up the call in Zoom, and all those things automatically, send out the emails and the reminder emails. What do I get from that, the personal touch that I don't get from these tools? Yeah. Well, we still recommend the, the tools. I absolutely love Calendly. So any client that comes in that doesn't have a Calendly type of a calendar and system set up or uh-huh. acuity or whatever platform you want, we definitely still recommend those. And you can just add your Skype uh, username or your Zoom yep. link right into that. So everything's all in one place. So for sure, yes. Um, it's and Again, it's dependent on what is the link for. It still usually requires some level of communication through email, which again could become a type of template. So say that someone writes in wanting to schedule a webinar great. You know, Leslie would love to do this. Here's his link. Let me know if you have any questions. That type of personal touch that adds on to the automation. Um, Yeah. So in in tandem, going hand in hand, they work really well together. Uh, So I guess another application of that would be um, when someone does book through my calendar, first of all, I'm the one that's inviting them to do it. That could be done by someone else. But then when they when they do sign up for a slot, I ask them to complete a guest form, a guest interview form, so that I can know about them and um, their blog and what just a bio and a headshot and those kinds of things. But every so often, someone doesn't fill out that form. My calendar program isn't going to go and say, hey, I noticed you didn't fill out the form and submit your this and that. Um, but if I had a person doing it or adding that extra personal touch, then I'd be more likely to actually get the stuff that I need before the time that I need it. That's exactly it. There's always something. There's always some kind of personal communication that comes in at some point of the process, even if it's just adding that personal touch to confirm. Hey, I see you filled out the form and you're all booked. Thank you so much. We're looking forward to it. It adds that next level of relationship building um, and professionalism. And then also, you know, you get to decide what you want to see in your calendar. So another part of this step two is deciding if you want a calendar-based system. So some of our clients will just only ever look at their calendar, and it has every single thing that they need to see. So they just know when they need to show up, what it's for, all of the details, like what uh, one of your clients or customers would enter into that form or the guest form would be all there for you in the calendar post. So you would just see, you know, it's a, a calendar-based system attached to your inbox, but essentially you wouldn't have to deal with any of the email side of it. 
Got it. All right. Makes perfect sense. Anything else on the patterns? Um, those are the main things. And then those patterns uh, very naturally go into step three, which is more of the proactive side of things. So this is where, you know, step two is very reactive. We're looking at everything that's coming in to the inbox um, without our initiation, without any reaching out. So step three is once we've identified these patterns and created this library, we're now looking at, okay, what kind of nurture campaigns can we build or follow-up sequences can we build um, based on the emails that need to go out? So I know for Yarrow, this was a big one where, you know, he would, people would write in and have a question about a product or a service. And he knew that the best thing to do would be to follow up with them several times, of course, spaced out um, after they sent in that initial question. But usually he would be too busy to do those follow-ups. And so this is something that would come in step three, where we're now actually reaching out instead of only responding to what's coming into us. Um, and, and doing a follow-up sequence um, to what, what often would lead to sales, just because people had more questions or they just needed to know that that customer support was always going to be there for them, uh, whatever it would be. Um, some of our clients really want to focus on nurturing relationships. And so I'm not a fan of the term cold emailing because of the connotation that it has with it. Um, and so that's why, again, that personalization and that em emotional intelligence of the emails that you are sending out is so important. Um, but that is another step of uh, another example of what would happen in step three of reaching out proactively instead of only um, responding in having that reactive part of what happens in step two. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah go ahead. Can I jump in, Leslie? Yes, you I, may. I have to say, like, for me, there was two sides of this. There was the initial, I need to find the trust in people to do all this for me. And then once that was established, it's the sense of relief you get because you can sort of hear Claire talking about so many little things that need to be managed well in email. And I just felt stressed because I was letting the ball drop on so many different yeah. things, whether it's just little communication points to following up potential customers, to trying to keep people who are asking for a refund or a cancellation, you know, to have the systems I knew that should be there, not complicated systems, just a few emails that should be going out and tailored to each person. So, you know, once you trust someone and then you have this sense of relief knowing that they're going to do all that well, and, and then you, you know, you, you, you're mentally free to go and whatever it is, write the book, create the next course, write the blog post, do the podcast, all the stuff that I wanted to do uh, without worrying about that every single day in the trenches email stuff that just sucks your energy if you're doing it yourself. So I think it's really important to talk about how much of a productivity and uh, joy in life enhancement getting out of your inbox can be when you have the right person in there, you know, doing all these things for you. Yeah, and and I think the the what um, Claire was talking about about you know creating the the, the nurture campaigns and the follow up sequence. Uh, when I think about that, I usually think in terms of automation, and I think that's a very limited view of the value that that can provide. And if you know, kind of like you're saying there, not only hey the people that contact me they're going to get a good response. They're going to get guided to the best resources. They're going to get the information that they need better than I would do it myself. But now I also know that I have people that are proactively engaging with potential you know, prospects or uh, potential customers or people that can get even more value from the stuff that I, I provide. That I, 
there's a peace of mind that would come along with that that goes beyond, hey, the peace of mind to know that I'm at inbox zero. Mm. And I absolutely love that concept. And a, an increase in revenue potentially as absolutely. well. When you start getting some customers that you would not have otherwise got. I I absolutely love that. Okay, so we went we went over a lot of things here r- right now. Um and you know, I think people, there are going to be different people that are going to listen to this. Some people are going to listen to this and they're going to go into their inbox and they're going to look at it and they're going to, you know, try to um, clean it up a little bit. They're going to set up filters. They're going to set up folders and they're going to do all these things. They're going to, they, they're going to say, whoa, this unroll me tool that she mentioned, I need to check that out. And then they're going to declutter some of the things that are coming into their inbox. They're going to start creating all these canned response. And then there are others that are going to say, you know what, I really need to bring somebody on to do this. And they're going to try to bring someone on, train them and all that stuff and work with them. And that's perfectly fine. And then there are going to be some people that are going to listen and say, this sounds great. I want somebody to do it for me so that I don't even have to worry about figuring out all of this stuff. Where, where Do you guys happen to know a place that they can go? <laughs> And, and and find people that can do this kind of stuff for them? <laughs> uh, we may have a, <laughs> a website we can recommend. You may have you know, a website. Think, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, well, I mean, for those who don't know, Claire and I are the co-founders of a company called InboxDone.com, and you know, we provide people to do this for you. I think it's worth maybe mentioning, uh, maybe Claire can share the story, because you know she was doing it for me, but then to roll out, our systems, our principles, our email management techniques to all these different types of people that we've gone on to help has been really interesting because, you know, we have uh, one client who's in uh, dissociative disorder, which is like multiple personalities. We have another client in uh, media ad buying. We have another client in uh, electric bikes in e-commerce. So, you know, very different subjects, very yeah. different types of people uh, that they're going to interact with. But, and Claire, maybe you can elaborate, it, the system kind of rolls out well across no matter what type of industry, um, you know, we help people with. For, wait, wait, for some reason, I'm not hearing you as clearly as before. No, it's you're not. You're faint, Claire. Yeah, you're faint. Did you change something in your setup or is it the same? Oh, I didn't change anything. Is that any better? It's getting better. Yep. Okay. I think we're we're a little better now. So go ahead and say what you're saying. Okay. Yeah, no, just to second Yara's point, that's the beauty of systems is that uh, they can apply across the board, across every industry. That's usually one of the most common questions that we get is, does my email manager need to be an expert or have background experience in my industry or how can they not? And it's because the fundamentals still apply no matter what the industry is. So like the three steps we went through today and just that emotional intelligence and superior communication, all of those things, uh, yeah, apply to every industry. And one thing I wanted to say before too is consumers have become more savvy now than ever. And so statistically, you send out automated emails. They know when they've received an automated email and they're much more likely yeah. to respond to a personalized email and, you know, in those follow-up sequences and nurture campaigns. Um, but yeah, the, the industry doesn't matter as much as who you're putting in the position of answering emails. And, and the, what you said just now, I want to emphasize that because what I've noticed is 
whenever someone sent, there's, there's so many times when someone would send an email and they'd get a personal response from me and they're so surprised that a human being is responding to them. Or they would send an email and in the email they would say, I know that, you know, the chances are slim that anybody's going to respond to me because I'm probably just talking to a robot. And yeah. they're always pleasantly surprised when, like, they get a human being that's polite and pleasant and can deal with whatever it is they're going through. So, yeah, I think there's something huge in that. Yep, exactly. And even more so going forward with automation and AI taking yep. over the world, it's going to stand out even more the further we go. Yep. Absolutely. And if someone wants to find out more about what you guys are doing and maybe even check out your service, where do we send them? Inboxdone.com. Inboxdone.com. Yarrow and Claire, thank you so much for coming on here and providing value to my people. Thank you. Thank you, Leslie. <laughs> All right. Yes, indeed. Once again, if you want to check them out, you want, man, you want to get rid of this, uh, the, the pain that, 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 that you feel every time you look in that inbox and you want some pros to help you in that process, go ahead and check out inboxdone.com. I hope you got a lot of value from this episode. I know that you did. I took away some tips and I know that you did as well. All the show notes for this episode, you can find at becomeablogger.com slash 374. Once again, that's becomeablogger.com slash 374. I'll link to Inbox Done and just summarize all of this good stuff for you anyhow if you are also trying to get your blogging business going you have an idea but you don't know how to get from idea to blog well i got a resource for you to check out you can go to from idea to blog.com and right there you're gonna get my free training to help you get started help you to flesh out that idea choose a domain name all that good stuff from idea to blog.com that's it for this episode this is leslie somewhere here from becomeablogger.com where we're changing the world one blog at a time and until next time take care and god bless <laughs>